This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, and you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. <laughs> Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are recording this on a Wednesday night after the Cubs avoided a sweep at the hands of the Houston Astros down in Houston. The Cubs winning the finale of the three-game set, backed by another gem from Kyle Hendricks. So we will talk about that series and everything going on in those three games. But Brendan, I want to bring you in here and 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 just uh, you know make a note. We we talked in the last podcast. We were kind of live updating the Chris Bryant situation after he and Jason Hayward ran into each other in the outfield, and you know nothing uh, really came of it. He didn't have a concussion. He did miss uh, the first two games in this Houston series, but all all together, you know, nothing serious came out of that. But after watching the game on Wednesday night, Brendan, I'm gonna go out on a limb. And and say KB is feeling just fine. Was there ever a doubt there, Corey? I mean, he no. hit that ball to center field 420 feet, just dead center. And that's that's insane to see him continue to go dead center into right field. And just updating his overall line this year, he has 13 homers. 13 homers and 231 plate appearances. Last year, in 457 plate appearances, he had 13 homers. So he's already at his mark. And going a step further, he's been worth 
Fangraph's war this year, last year, he was worth 2.3. So he's already he's already been more valuable than, than last year when he had a shoulder injury. So this is what's going to come. Look out. I mean, that's an MVP candidate right there, Corey. Yeah, but always, always good to see, you know, after the, the at least initial scare, uh, always good to see him get back out there and, uh, you know, just crank a bomb to dead center. There, there's, there's pretty much nothing that, that gives you that feeling of, oh, okay, he's fine. Like th- then, then something like that. So that is certainly good news. Uh, but let's jump into a quick recap of these three games. Uh, the first two games, not particularly what I would call very fun, Brendan. Uh, although, you know, the Cubs had a chance in, in both of them, but, uh, they, they do not pull out either win the Astros winning on Monday, six to five. They beat Cole Hamels in this one. The Cubs did have an early two to nothing lead after Anthony Rizzo took Garrett Cole deep. And Brendan, you know, as we were watching this game on Monday, I'm thinking Garrett Cole, that's a, a familiar name. And then it, it it dawns on me, you know, like, <laughs> duh, um, that Garrett Cole is the pitcher who Kyle Schwarber takes to the Allegheny River in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. yep. in the 2015 wildcard game. Garrett Cole is also a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates during the 2016 season in which he is quoted as saying, I don't think the Cubs are the best team in baseball. And Brendan, as I was going through all of this stuff, trying to remember who, in fact, Garrett Cole was, it, it it dawns on me that, you know, he says that in 2016. And get this, Brendan, 2016 is the year that the Cubs win the World Series. They so he won was the World Series that year. decidedly yeah, yes. incorrect on that midseason very incorrect. prediction. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's always good to see our old friend uh, Garrett Cole, though he does get the better of the Cubs on Monday with six strong innings. He only gives up two earned runs and three hits, and he strikes out 12. So if that's his form of redemption for losing in the playoffs, uh, hey, I guess good on you, Garrett, right? But in this battle of Coles, again, I, what, are, what are the odds of that, Brendan? He, Cole Hamels faces, uh, who is it, Cole Irvin for the Phillies mm-hmm. in the start before, and now he goes up against Garrett Cole. There's just something really strange about that. Uh, but he takes his first loss of the season. Cole Hamels was 4-0 coming into this game. Uh, he only goes four innings, seven hits, six earned, four walks, and no strikeouts. This was not a good outing for Cole Hamels followed by another not good outing by John Lester. So a rough couple of days for the veteran left-handers in the Cubs rotation. The Cubs getting the rest of their runs in this game. David Bodie with a single in the seventh. And then in the ninth, the Cubs made some noise against Astros closer Osuna. Albert Amora with his seventh home run of the year cut it to a two-run lead. Addison Russell with his third cut it to a one-run lead. But that would be all she wrote. Six to five is the final. On Tuesday, it was another clunker for my boy, ya boy, John Lester. Uh, he falls to three and four on the season. He goes five and two thirds, eight hits, seven earned runs, three walks, and three strikeouts. So again, not a good couple days uh, for number 34 and 35 in the Cubs rotation. Brad Brock was not particularly good in relief in this game. He goes an inning and a third, giving up two earned runs and a home run with a walk and two strikeouts in this one. Carl Edwards has a nice inning, so that's worth noting. That was uh, good to see. And the Cubs getting their runs in this one. Things of note, they hit three home runs in the top of the second inning, and they go back-to-back twice in this game, Brendan, and still lose. 
that stinks because those are fun stats and it kind of stinks to, you know, have to just sort of ignore that they happened. But Jason Hayward uh, with his eighth in the top of the second here, Addison Russell with his fourth. That was the first set of double back uh, to back home runs for the Cubs. David Bodie with his fifth in this game, he would hit two to be part of the other back-to-back in this game. So in the sixth, he hits his sixth home run to make it 6-5 to five Houston, and Kyle Schwarber followed with his ninth of the season. That tied it at six. But an Alex Bregman home run off of Brad Brock. The first runner on base was John Lester's, the second, Bregman, uh, belongs to Brad Brock. And then in the seventh, the Astros add one more to make it 9-6, to six, and that is the final. On Wednesday, the finale here, the Cubs looking to avoid the sweep. And like I said, it was a Kyle Hendricks gem. He improves to five and four on the season. He goes eight innings, four hits, one earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts, lowering his season ERA to 3.09. Steve Ciszek gets a one, two, three, bottom of the ninth inning against this Astros lineup. Striking out one, no hits, no walks, of course, for his fifth save of the season. And this is a pretty clean game to wrap up, Brendan. Kyle Hendricks pitches eight innings, uh, gives up just one run. Steve Ciszek pitches a one, two, three, ninth. And the Cubs get two runs on solo home runs. Kyle Schwarber leads off this game with a solo home run off of Wade Miley. And Chris Bryant, as we discussed a moment ago, with the eventual game-winning run on a bomb to center field. So that is all she wrote. All told, the Cubs take one of three in Houston. It was uh, admittedly a lesser Houston lineup. Uh, we did not see Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, or George Springer in this series, uh, but Alex Bregman certainly picking up uh, some of the slack for that lineup in these three games. Uh, but Brendan, before we you know jump into a particular topic, which I think the first thing will be... Um, Hamels and Lester, just given, you know, the, the, the way that they struggled in this series. But I, I think all told, like, not the worst thing in the world going and playing a team like the Houston Astros uh, as well as they have been playing and as good as they have been for the last few years here and coming away with one win out of three on the road. I feel better at least about this offense right now than I did during their winning streak. And I know there's issues with the bullpen, and I know some of the starters have not been their normal selves, but the offense as a whole has been more deep. I think top to bottom, you're seeing Schwarber be a significant contributor at leadoff. Seeing Elmora, you know, contribute very well. Russell contributing, Bodie contributing, and that's despite Javi striking out. What was it, 18 times in 30 plate appearances? It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And with KB being out for a few days too, so the offense has kind of picked it up a little bit. Yeah, and and I, this is sort of the reverse of what we've talked about over the years where the, the Cubs had often won those first two games of the series and then lose the finale to leave that kind of bitter taste in your mouth. This is like the reverse of that, where they don't win the series, but you end up kind of coming away from it feeling pretty good that you were able to, you know, fly the flag tonight and sing the song, which is always fun. So let's just talk about Lester and Hamels. And I, I think that it's it's not necessarily going to be a a revelatory conversation between the two of us. I don't I don't think we're we're unlocking any insights here, but I do think it's it's worth 
going over just given that it, it you know has not been uh it's been a few now in a row for uh my guy John who has not had good starts and you know Hamels has been pretty shaky recently as well but Brendan I I think the first thing that comes to mind is I I do have to ask and this is me asking this but like for some <laughs> people out there right what were you expecting from these two guys right? Because for me, even when we were going through John being atop the ERA leaderboard, you and I both said, like, yeah, I'm not expecting him to put up a sub two or even sub three ERA all season and, like, be a contender for a Cy Young. Like, imagine the story that would be if 35-year-old John Lester in the fifth year of a six-year contract is, is delivering a Cy Young performance. So, like, you shouldn't have been expecting that. So it's like when his results and, you know, overall ERA, et cetera, start to look more in line with what I think we all would have expected in the first place, it's odd that there's so much like, you you know, in the Cubs mentions and, and all over social media, you just see so many like, you know, this is our ace and he's doing this. Like, is he? Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know if that ever should have been anybody's expectation. So it's just kind of odd to me because for me, when I look at these games, I think this is, uh, for these two in particular, like, I think just sort of what you should expect. They're going to be very good for large stretches, but there's going to be some clunkers in there. They're they're in their mid-30s. Their, their stuff diminishes just like anybody else as they age and there's gonna be some clunkers in there like to me I watch these and I go yeah this stinks like I wish John wasn't pitching like this but he gave you you know what was it seven eight starts of literally the best ERA in baseball you're gonna have to take the lumps like this is something that we've seen from him I I guess all I'm saying is I don't really get the like sudden panic or or like freak out when Hamels and Lester aren't good because to me it's just like that's that's sort of to be expected I think like I think to expect them to go out there and be dominant every outing is just not reasonable for guys in their situation at the, at this point in their career so while I'm not thrilled about it um I I don't I didn't really take much from from these couple starts and and even the 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 stretch uh particularly with John like I think he looked better in this game on Tuesday than he had in the in the previous bad starts and you know sometimes you get beat at the wrong time sometimes you can't put guys away they stay alive they foul balls off and it comes back to bite you and you know that's what we saw but my my general sentiment is I I I think this is just sort of something that's to a degree to be expected with this group. We talked all off season, right, Brendan, like about how this group didn't necessarily have that overly dominant, like I'm going to put up a Jacob deGrom one and a half ERA, good luck hitting this guy ever type of season. And I think that this is kind of going along with that. Like my whole thing this off season was I think they're going to keep us in the game more often than not. They have a high floor, like they should be good and give the Cubs a chance to win most of the time. And with that, you kind of just have to expect some clunkers. I, I I don't I don't really take anything from this is is, is kind of my standpoint. It's easy to extrapolate what you see recently for, for future stars. So I think that's where people are coming from. They see Lester and Hamill perform poorly in their most recent three stars, and they worry, hey, is this what we're going to be expecting going forward? So I, I understand the concern to some degree, but I, I, I'm with you. And 
the reason to be concerned, if there is a concern, is when pitchers don't look like their normal selves. And if they're throwing slower, if their command is obviously off par, like what we've seen with Darvish and his fastball. For Lester and Hamels, I don't see that. And to, to be frank, I thought that start against Houston with Lester was was fine. And he he wasn't as sharp with his command as usual, but he was throwing 91.5 to, to 92 miles per hour on average, mixing in five different pitches, still getting his whiffs. He wasn't too bad with his command. And it's a good comparison to... I think Darvish's start in that, one, Darvish got a better result in his most recent start, but I don't think he pitched that well. And with Lester, I think if you were to do that every single start going forward, you're going to get better results. Again, just looking at his start, five pitches, 92 miles per hour. He's painting the lower left portion of the zone with his cutter like you usually see. And those are signs that he's fine. And it's so easy to get caught up in the results. You see six runs, you see eight runs, you freak out. Like, what is what is going on after you just saw a sub-2 ERA for six weeks? And I, I, I get it, but sometimes teams and these hitters, they're good at hitting. And sometimes they hit good pitches, and sometimes they make the most out of a few mistakes. And I'm not saying Lester made only a few mistakes, but the mistakes he did make, the Astros took advantage of them. And the same thing can be said about Cole Hamels. And with Cole, he follows the same line. Are you worried that he's throwing 94-mile-per-hour fastballs? I'm not worried about that. Are you worried that his changeup is still at an all-time best whiff rate? I'm not worried about that. His, His whiff rate is just in line with what it was at his best with the Cubs last year. Are you worried about that? No. So those are reasons to, I think, be confident going forward. Yeah. Look, you don't want to see these guys struggle. But if you're using these stars to extrapolate what you think will happen in the future, it's off target. You want to look at the just how they look. And they look fine. The, the, the pitch peripherals look fine. And I have zero, zero change in my thinking. My confidence in this rotation is at an all-time high. I haven't felt this good about our rotation since 2016. And with Quintana continuing to have great command, Hendricks completely shoved Houston out of the way uh, in, in that last game. Lester and Hamels are going to be fine. This is still the best rotation in the NL Central. And from 1 to 4, 1 to 5, when Darvish is on, is probably the best rotation in the National League. So there's no issues whatsoever, Corey. Yeah, again, I, I, I'm with you. I, I have not really wavered in my sentiment on this rotation since the beginning of the offseason. I keep saying this thing about the high floor, but that's that's really where I see it. And again, that that's going to come with some not good starts like that. That's just, I think, part of not having an, a rotation that is overly you know, powerful or or dominant in in the sense that we see some of these guys, and that's fine. Like that's I disagree that's with okay. that though. I, I think I think they are. And I, I look. You want you look at yeah, Degrom. You look at Scherzer, and yeah, they're dominant. They blow everything. I just past I just you. meant that they're not filled with guys throwing ninety eight, like coming and and <laughs> blowing you away. Yeah, but I mean, I think Hamels, when he's at his best, he's a guy who who goes upwards in 95, 96, and he has the best changeup in Major League Baseball at times, and he has four other pitches to complement that. So I, I do think the Cubs do have that guy who can blow past you. And Darvish, 
you know, God willing, he gets his fastball back, then you have two well, wins. Well, yeah, so I, I, I'm, yeah, admittedly not necessarily counting well, on neither, that one, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> neither am I. But but the point I'm making is like the Cubs do have guys with with that type of stuff, and I know it's not as obvious, and I know Hamels is aging, but he's still showcasing for the majority of of the time what he's capable of. So I. I do think they have guys who have filthy stuff, and they can blow past you. So I, I, I think Hamels falls in that category, Corey. Yeah, and look, again, I, I've said this before, especially like on days where the wind blows out at Wrigley Field, like everybody's playing in the same conditions, right? So I, I don't say this following thing to excuse anything, nothing like that. I'm just pointing it out. I don't take anything from anything that happens in this ballpark that they just played in in Houston. It, it's a joke. I, I mean, come on. Like, yeah. some of the home runs, even that the Cubs are hitting, right? Like, again, it plays both ways. But, like, there's just balls where you're like, this is a home run? Like, and you see where, like, Schwarber has to play in front of that wall in left field, and they've got that weird little cutout to the right of the Crawford boxes that, you know, Hayward's like, what, a foot taller than that fence in, in right field? I, I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't, I look at these guys and I'm looking and seeing like Hamels and uh, Garrett Cole actually have the same ERA, 4.02, after uh, that start on Monday. And I'm looking at that going, like, how do these pitchers in Houston not just give up 10 runs right. a game? Like, I, I really don't get it. Um, but would you rather play in Miami or in Houston? Oh, so like a warehouse uh, with huge warehouse alleys or a, uh, Houston. I, I think, oh man, I don't know. I think on. Miami. I really? It's just, it's hard, man, when you see like these guys ball, give that, up that fly ball. balls. Yeah, but that ball that KB hit for a homer, yeah, that, that could have Yeah, been that might have been in caught Miami. in Miami. That's true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he hit like two of those in Miami that's a good. That's a, that's a good debate question. I, 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 I think... Um, I would pick you know, Miami, I guess it's one of those things where my answer changes depending on who we're talking about. I would love watching John Lester pitch in Miami all the time, uh, and I would love to watch our hitters hit in Houston all the time. So that's that's going to be my my answer to that question. But just to finish up on the rotation, at least for, for this series, I do want to read uh, another stat from, I say it, every podcast. You guys should know where this is coming from at this point. Christopher Kamka from NBC Chicago at CKAMA. K-A on Twitter, C. Comka. And he tweets out, in Kyle Hendricks, six May starts, a 1.81 ERA in 44.2 innings pitch. He's allowed 28 hits. He has only walked five batters. He has struck out 37. Good for a 0.739 whip. That's really good, folks. So, Kyle is is on one right now, which is always good to see. And I, you know, I think if the Cubs do have that sneaky Cy Young candidate in there, it's probably Hendricks. And we've seen him get near that award before, back in 2016. And uh, you know, with the way he looked tonight, and again, you know, the Astros missing uh, literally like three of the best hitters in baseball, which is nice uh, and not so fun that the Cubs didn't necessarily take advantage of that completely, but. This was another start where you just see Kyle doing his thing. This is one of those starts that you would show to people if they ask, how does this guy do so well, you know, topping out at 90 or whatever it is. I think he touched that on the, on the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, I don't know if we had a hot gun or whatever that is in Houston, but... Even Len was like, whoa, 90 <laughs> yeah. power there. Kyle, the Kyle had the adrenaline <laughs> flowing tonight. But, yeah. like, 
if you, if you ever encounter someone who's asking that question, I think this is one of those starts. So many pop-ups, Brendan, and you can tell right away how frustrated those Houston hitters are. They're like, man, like I I totally miss that. And, you know, again, this is another one where you look at those gifts uh, from the Pitching Ninja on Twitter and you see how he is able to throw – uh, like that that sinker and changeup in particular, they look so similar. There's like a seven mile an hour difference, and they just break off of one another like right at the end. And it's pretty easy to see actually from a visual standpoint. Like, oh, okay, like this makes sense as to why this guy's not you know pumping guys away, but he seems impossible to hit. So th- this was another fun one for Hendricks. He is. Uh, on a roll right now. And, you know, it comes at a, a good time, as we just talked about with Lester and Hamels struggling a little bit. I think it's, you know, always good that somebody steps up. That was another thing that I, I said throughout the offseason, that it doesn't matter who the best person in this rotation is, right? Like, unless you have a, a dog in the race like me and you just want it to be John Lester. Uh, but even I don't really care. I just want, you just need somebody at any given time to be kind of like setting the pace, if you will. And, and you know, it was John in the beginning of the season while some other guys were figuring things out. And right now it, you know, uh, is certainly Kyle Hendricks. Jose Quintana's been in that mix, I think, throughout the year. And hopefully, Brendan, at some point, it's you, Darvish, setting that pace. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we'll see about that. Uh, so I, I, I do want to uh, transition to something that I think you were a little more passionate about than me uh, in terms of him him being the leadoff hitter. But just in general, um, a, a certain left fielder, Kyle Schwarber, would be his name, has kind you know is kind of like morphing into an everyday player uh, in front of our eyes. And you know, obviously, coming into the year, one of the things around him was can he develop against left-handed pitching. And he has certainly been doing that in the 2019 season as as we're continuing on here. And I got to tell you, like, I'm really enjoying him at the leadoff spot. We, we even back in 2017, talked about the merit of him just in, in his sort of like inherent skills, uh, why he would be a good person to have up there. And he's really shown that in the opportunity that he's gotten so far in 2019, seeing pitches, taking walks, and starting a few of these games off with leadoff home runs, which, you know, you look at a game like Wednesday, there's only three runs scored in the game. You let Hendricks go out there, who's been on a roll immediately with run support. That's a, a really powerful way to start the game. Uh, so so I throw it to you here to just, I, I think, gush a little bit about Kyle Schwarber here. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Emotional pain and depression may indicate that someone is at risk for suicide, but the signs aren't always easy to see or discuss. Most people who take their lives exhibit one or more warning signs. Often the signs are subtle changes in mood, what they say, or how they act. Learn to recognize the warning signs. Suicide is preventable. Recognize it. Talk about it. Act on it. Learn more at RecognizeTalkAct.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health. Yeah, well, I mean, it's coming to that time, too, with, with Zobris, uncertainty, and Descalso's poor performance. They needed someone to step up in, in that leadoff role. So Schwarber made the most sense 
but there were concerns going into this experiment, so to speak. And we saw some of those concerns play out in 2017 with the shift and the left-handed matchups. And from what we're seeing in the last two weeks when Schwarber's play started literally every single day, this, this might be the first time, by the way, he's done this consecutively for two weeks starting every day. Have to go back and look at that. But he's looked good. I mean, he went yard to lead off the game against a lefty. He's done well against lefties all year. Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation has pointed that out. I think he's looked better now than he's had at any point in a Cubs uniform. He's seen pitches. He's making contact frequently. He has league average contact for a power hitter. That's a very big deal. He's at an all-time high for laying off pitches outside the strike zone. And I got to say, he's playing really solid defense, too. I mean, there's a few solid plays out there in, in, in Houston towards the corner by the foul line. He's looking like an everyday player, and he has such high expectations going into basically every season he's had so far for him to perform this way at a time when the Cubs truthfully needed someone to step up ahead of Javi, KB, Rizzo, Willie. Like they, they needed someone there because this was the first time where despite the, the merry-go-round in the leadoff position in the last two years, this season, they have not had that much success. In fact, the leadoff position has been one of the worst offensive-valued slots in the lineup. You throw Schwarber in there, he kind of solidifies that 1-5, through 1-6 order, which has been fun to watch. I think, above all else, starting the game knowing that he could get that leadoff homer or he could get that walk, it gives me a lot of relief, and it does set the tone, I think, when he does work a good at-bat, I mean, imagine, you're, you're going out there to start the game as a pitcher, you see Schwarber on deck, you got KB, then you got Hop, or then you got Rizzo, then you got Javi and Willie, like, that's that's got to give a pitcher a lot of anxiety in comparison to seeing Daniel Descalso up there, or right. even at times when, when Zobris didn't have his power, seeing Zobris up there, even though he got on base frequently. It does, I think, I don't know, it would change the mindset for a pitcher. So I've I've been enjoying it. I know the, the overall numbers for Schwarber this year are still kind of not what you expect, but at least in the last four weeks, he's looked really good in going forward. I have no issues. In fact, I want to see Schwarber continue to play every day and get more opportunities to face those lefties. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. And we've talked about this before where, you know, you get in situations with these these guys, uh, you know, I think like Schwarber, Almora, Bodie, guys like that in particular come to mind. Ian Happ when he was up, uh, you, you get the sense that like, you know, you have this vision for what you want them to become and, and the situations that you've identified that they need to improve in, that they need to make the adjustments in. And when they start doing those things and producing on a, on a good level, you know, you want to like let that ride to a degree. You don't want to push it too much and start forcing them into matchups that y- you are, are not excited for them to be in. That's something that Joe Madden is really good at. We've talked about how good Joe is that, at that uh, in terms of his managing. But I think Schwarber's, you know, kind of in that place right now where, you know, and I think Almora has been as well. And we've seen this for both of them that they're kind of, you know, they're basically basically just playing on a mostly regular, everyday-ish basis. And I I think that that's where you want to be with these guys. You you have those sort of like set goals or, or hurdles you want them to overcome. And when you start seeing signs of it, 
you know, let them have a chance to do it. And, and I think that's important to, uh, you know, be, be willing to give in when the guys start showing those results and say, okay, like we wanted Kyle Schwarber to hit left-handed pitching better. We wanted him to be able to be an everyday guy and not just someone who only hits uh, against righties. And as he starts to show you that, like, let him keep doing it. And, and you know, you right. hope that the, the eventual landing place is exactly that, that these guys are everyday players who have made those adjustments, improved as ball players uh, because of this process and because of Joe's careful selecting of their matchups as they grow. And, you know, that that's uh, ultimately the result that you end with. Right. Yeah, and I think too, this this reminds me of how Javi progressed last mm-hmm. year. Javi had to play shortstop last year. He had to play every day. And despite him failing, he had to go through those those tough stretches and that ultimately was good for him. Now, with the Cubs outfield situation and the lack of depth that we're seeing since Ian Happ is in AAA, Zobris is gone. There's really no one else the Cubs can go to for these matchups. So Schwarber has to play more. Almora has to play more. And they're going to fail more. And they did so three weeks ago. Now they adjusted. Now they're playing better. And there is some side of me that, that does wonder if this is the best route to go. And when they do get that depth back, letting these guys go out... And dealing with these matchups, Joe has done a great job finding the right matchups, kind of protecting them. But maybe, and I thought about this last year too, and that was kind of the theme of our season-ending podcast in 2018 was, hey, is it the best strategy to incorporate this type of big rosters and play the matchups, platoon these guys, or should they go out there and play every day? And that, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do... I understand and I can get behind the argument that failing and playing every day is going to be good for the team in the long run. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, Al Mora is doing better because he was playing a lot when he was bad or Schwarber's doing better because he was playing a lot when he was bad. I'm not saying that, but it is in the back of my mind that they are able to adjust faster and be successful because now they're getting those experiences and they're getting the, the opportunity to fail and come back right away. And I, I, I think in a weird way, their lack of depth with Dascaso playing poorly and Zobrist out and Happ and AAA and Zagunas being pretty bad up there, they have to play them. And it's been, it's, I really, I've enjoyed them adjusting so so much. I mean, Amoris adjusted a lot in the last three weeks, same with Schwarber. And it's, it's really encouraging that they're finally kind of ahead of the curve, no pun intended, in, in the way the league has adjusted to them, Corey. Yeah, and I think the, the I'm, I'm with you. You know, this is something that we've debated, I think, a lot on this show, like what exactly the best approach to that is. And I think in a lot of these situations, I've always been, you know, kind of preaching the, like, you can't always ask for more attitude. Like when some guys do well, you can't always just say, play them every day and ask them to do it on a larger scale. But I I think that that's what Madden does well, and I think that's what's really important here, is it's all about being malleable with these philosophies. And I I think that there's a lot of value in being careful, especially when they first enter the league, you know, where these guys are used, getting them in the good matchups so they can build on successes, carefully selecting those, uh, you know, maybe bad matchups so that they can try to adjust, learn what they need to adjust against. 
But again, being flexible enough to say like, okay, like, you know, this guy's making those strides. Maybe we should be pushing him a little more rather than always sticking to the nope, you know, this guy plays in this matchup, this guy plays in this matchup, you know, this is how we maximize the entire roster. So it's it's nuanced. And I, you know, it's sort of a player by player thing. But I, I think the Cubs are are very good at it. I think they're very mindful of it, you know, and they're really one of a handful of teams that I think, you know, has a, a similar problem like this. You know, the Dodgers come to mind as well, where, you know, Cody Bellinger has played all over the field. You have someone like Kike Hernandez playing all over the field. And, you know, someone in like Alex Verdugo, for example, who was probably getting pretty <laughs> pissed that he wasn't ever playing uh, up until this year. Out Dodger names over here, I see. You know, so I think that not that many teams have this problem. And it's just sort of interesting to see how they all deal with it, whether they have to trade guys away because they have too many position players, etc. So, you know, it's just something to to keep an eye on. But as we're talking about uh, position players, and I think we're going to transition to uh, kind of getting back to that second base position that we had talked about uh, a few weeks ago. But I do, uh, you know, want to point out that we've been kind of noting uh, those guys who had been hitting as many or more homers as they did in 2018, uh, now in 2019. And we have uh, some other additions to this, folks. This is a, this is a, this is growing to be a really fun list, Brendan, because this is a good list. You want to be on this list. Uh, Although if you're someone like Anthony Rizzo, it's going to be a, a minute until you're, you're really able to join this list. Uh, but so yeah, far, maybe two more months. It is May 29th as we are recording this, and here are some of the guys who have as many or more homers as they did all of last year. And again, Brendan, the only thing that seems to be different is they had a nutritionist come in and cut chili from the diet, and it was a bold choice, but it seems to be paying off. Chris Bryant in 2018, 13, 2019, 13, Wilson Contreras in 2018, 10, in 2019, 12. Albert Almora Jr., 5 in 2018, 7 in 2019. Jason Hayward, 8 last year, 8 now in 2019. And David Bodie joined the fun in this Houston series as well. He hit 6 in 2018. He has now hit 6 in 2019. Brendan, dingers are good, man. So, I, you know, I, I know the Brizzo Souvenir Company has a lot of underling employees uh, who work for them in different capacities, obviously with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo being uh, at, at the head, the CEOs, the executive board of the company. But given the way th- these guys are hitting, I, ha- I have to assume, Brendan, I have not looked at their financials, but it, it would certainly seem like business is booming for the Brizzo Souvenir Company. But I, I kind of want to shift the focus there to Bodie, just because he he has been playing better too, and I think he's I think he's on that list as well, right, Corey? I think he has what six or seven yeah, homers six, this year, six and six, yeah, same as last year, yeah, at so the same moment. as last year. So so he's he's going up there as well, and he looks like that that game in Houston, that first home run he hit in that second game of the series. I didn't see the ball come down. I, I I may have stepped away for a second, but I don't think that ball came down in my eyesight. And there's a there's a gap there in second base. We, we've talked about it the last few weeks now. Russell has an opportunity. Descasso has an opportunity. Bodie's going to have an opportunity. And it's going to be up for grabs, so to speak. And right now, Descasso's kind of forcing his way out of that discussion naturally. And I... I don't know if that's the right way to go about this in terms of 
not playing Descalso frequently, but I think I rather him not play frequently and just say, you know what, it is what it is. And it's it's unfortunate that he's not looking like the same guy that he was in Arizona last year. But Bodie's young. Russell has an opportunity. And I think you got to give those opportunities to guys who the Cubs have committed to. The Cubs have committed for Bodie for five more years. They're obviously committed to Russell. And if it's my preference, I've always said this, I want to see Bodie get those chances. He's looked good defensively in the last few days. Whereas in previous weeks, he's made some more dumb mistakes, but he's looked better and cleaner in the last week. The offense, he's made a clear change in the last two weeks. He's not as lively at the dish. His overall movement has decreased pre, uh, pre-pitch. He looks better, a lot better, I think. So I, if I had to pick who I want to see play the majority of the time, it would be it would be Bodie, but I don't think Joe's going to operate like that. You know Joe's going to play Descalso. You know he's going to play Russell. But I think maybe that might change if Bodie continues to play like this and Russell does continue to hit for power. It's, it's possible in a month from now, we're looking at Descalso in a completely different light as legitimately more of a backup guy. And I'm fine with that. And I'm fine sacrificing the potential that Descalso can be a major contributor because I think the ceiling for Bodie and the rest of the of, of, of the guys on this team, even Hap, is so much greater than Descalso. I'm willing to roll the dice there because the ceiling is just so much greater. Yeah, it's a tricky situation with Descalso because his sort of rapid decline here, at least just in the 2019 season, seems almost exactly tied to that ankle injury that he suffered. Like the timeline is really almost exact in terms of uh, he was pretty productive for this team for the first portion, hurts his ankle, and he has been just an un, you know, a disaster since then. But the, the the tricky part is that, you know, he he was signed for a reason. Obviously, he was coming off a career best season in 2018 where he made some changes, you know, kind of did some of that launch angle stuff and, and got much better results with it. I think his, his barrel rate, just the, the percent of balls that he was getting the barrel on, was twice as high as it had ever been in his career in 2018 veteran, uh, you know, can take a walk, can work accounts. So like there, there was a lot of merit to bringing him in. And if you could replicate those results from 2018, he would have been a, a very nice piece. Uh, but we're not seeing that. And, and where it gets complicated, Brendan, is that the line he's currently producing is not playable. And I mean that literally. Like his slash line right now, I, I texted you this last night, Brendan, but you, you never want to see a guy whose slash line, batting average, on base percentage, and slugging percentage, none of the first digits are above a two. Not one of them. There's no threes or fours <laughs> or, you know, heaven forbid, a five in front of any of these numbers. That's that's a really bad place to start. But the, the line is a 194 batting average, a 276 on base percentage, and a 295 slugging percentage. He has been worth negative half a win above replacement. Oof. So half a win below replacement. You have to reword the stat to, to, to discuss Daniel Descalso right now. And that's just not playable, Brendan. And I know that you know, certainly you're, you're you're not going to like DFA him or stop playing him altogether because again, like he did put up a good season last year and, you know, especially as a spot start guy, bench guy, 
good stuff from him last year. And you can see where the Cubs front office was was thinking, but that line, you can't keep playing it. Uh, you know, especially at, in this, you know, most recent period, you know, you were without Chris Bryan for a couple games. Hobby's been dealing with this heel thing and, you know, was able to DH in Houston. But like, while you're dealing with stuff like that, you, you cannot have a guy uh, putting up those numbers, a 54 WRC plus, Brendan, yeah. like that is just not going Can't to play. It, 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 it is literally to a, a point that is so bad, like you cannot keep playing it. And I, again, like that's tough because you want to see him reverse it. And obviously I don't think he's going to be that bad for the entire season, but it's one of those things where you're right. Like when Bodie's making adjustments and his overall line looks good, they went through this process with Russell. They brought him back and he's been playing well in the opportunities that he's been given recently. He came up and started very poorly, as I noted. I think he had like a 571 OPS uh, maybe prior to that red series uh, on the season. But, you know, he I think he's up to four <laughs> home runs now on the season. Yeah. He's got some opposite field hits. And we know he's got one of the best gloves on the team. And that's also what complicates it with Descalso is he is probably the worst glove on the team. So you take that slash line plus the downgrade you're taking a defense, and at least right now, Brendan, this is not even a question for me. The the playing time needs to go yeah. to no my primary choice is Bodie, and if you're not going to play Bodie, you should be putting Russell out there. If you have him on the team, he is a better option than Daniel Descalso right now. That is just like strictly, I think, the objective sentiment uh, when you're looking at the stats and and the performance of these guys on the baseball field. And part of the concerning thing to me with Descalso is that a lot of the numbers for him look more in line. A, A lot of his numbers in 2019, let me put this differently, make it look like 2018 was an outlier. And that's something that I think is always a little bit concerning. And and sort of what I mean by that is prior to 2018, the highest barrel rate he ever had was 5.1 in 2017, 3 and 2.8 in the years prior to that. It was 10.2 in 2018, back to 4.3 in 2019. Exit velocity has always been around the same. His launch angle in 2018, 19.1. Every other season he's played around 12 to 13, something along those lines. So you look at these numbers and you're thinking, yeah, so maybe that's just not something that he's going to be able to replicate. And, you know, especially as he gets older, some of these things diminish anyway. And altogether, I, I think that Again, the conclusion right now is you got to be playing those other guys. I think if you're strictly looking at this from a perspective of who is the best lineup, who are our best in a National League park, eight guys on any given day, I don't know how often I would be including Daniel Descalso in that group. Um, You know, and and just to like, you look at Bodie's total line, he went through a a bad slump, like especially the the early portion, I think, of of May here was particularly bad for him. But like his overall line, he's hitting 279 with a 361 on base percentage and a 478 slugging percentage, a 121 WRC plus. So, you know, 21 points above uh, league average, which is a hundred. Like that's really good for a guy you just got mm. on a really cheap contract who 
is only 26 and who, you know, you should have every reason to say, yeah, let's like keep trying to turn this guy into an everyday starter. He he has been better with the glove, I think, just uh, from a visual standpoint, uh, as you mentioned, Brendan. And like, I would be riding that out. And and, and again, like, I, I, I think you and I were okay with the Descalso signing, especially, you know, given the context that they just weren't going to be spending that much money. Um, but that, that, his his numbers right now are unplayable, and and given that he is the worst defender of the three, certainly, it's it, Russell and Bodie should be getting the majority of the that playing time at that particular position. Um, on you know, unless Descalso is able to, I, I don't know, man. Like unless you're able to really pinpoint it on that ankle injury, you you let him heal up a little bit, stay off of it for a few games. I don't know, like whatever. But yeah, you just it's it's unplayable man like with that defense and that slash line like he's unplayable right now that that's really how i feel about it bet saratoga this summer with naira bets the official betting partner of saratoga Racecourse. new customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to 200 dollars with promo code spa go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today little did i know when I joined Kaiser Permanente, that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Five weeks ago, we were talking about Descasso in a completely different light. And I, I went on here, I'm like, yeah, I love watching Descasso play currently because he mirrors that of like a Ben Zobrist. Guy goes up there, takes good pitches, takes advantage of mistakes given to him. I, I enjoyed watching that. I, I do think at the same time, the context has changed around this team where I could have seen opportunities for Bodie to play at third base while continuing to play Descasso because... There were uncertainties in the outfield. There was an uncertainty with Schwarber, an uncertainty with Almora, and they were mixing and matching KB in the outfield while playing Bodie at third base. The outfield is being locked down. Schwarber is locking down left field. Almora is playing nearly every day successfully, and Hayward has to be in right field because they have no depth. Chris Bryant has to play third base. So if Bodie is going to get opportunities, it can only come at second base. You know what I'm trying to say? So yeah, the right. the context has changed, and I enjoyed watching Descasso play earlier in the year. I liked his professionalism. I do think that the ankle injury, to some degree, has muted his overall results. I don't really care, though. Like I, I recognize the ankle injury was problematic, but even if Descasso is what he is last year, that's kind of... In, in a weird, selfish way, not good enough for me. Because I think Bodie <laughs> could be better than right. that on a much better level. And B- Bodie's getting a lot of smack for his defense. He's within the team touted as one of the most foundational sound defenders. I mean, Brian Butterfield used Bodie as an example going into 2018. Not this year, last year to make these new defensive drills because he was so impressed by what Bodie was doing and his routine. Bodie is not some chump out there playing second base. He came up through the system as a second baseman. He's not even a natural third baseman. 
he can defend. Yeah. And I know we have not seen it this year. I'm telling you, the guy is so smooth out there. His range is better for what you think with his size. It's just these dumb mistakes. He's, he's not eating the balls. He's throwing them away when he shouldn't be doing it. And that will be cleaned up. And if it is cleaned up, he's a well above league average defender. And he has enormous offensive potential. If Duskaus is a 330 Woba guy, yeah, I'm going to take that for sure. But I'm going to roll the dice here, and I'm going to go for a 350, 360, 370 Woba. And I'm going to try and get the most out of a guy who will be with the team through 2024. And if that means risking Duskaus because the injury is kind of screwing him over, I'm fine with that. Things have changed. Six weeks ago, this was not the same team. And I, I think you have to run with it. Yeah, and he made an incredible play on a ball down the line, uh, down the left field yeah. line in Tuesday's game to to you know save some extra runs uh, for John. Just an incredible diving play. He's got a very strong arm. And, you know, I think, especially now too, like you're right, like, and, you know, you always, I, I think with everything, you know, you always have to be kind of malleable. You have to, to be set in certain ways about certain guys, but but it's always good to be flexible with certain things. And I think one of those is, you know, while you've got some of these guys hitting tanks at, at such a higher rate than they did last year, the team is near the top of, uh, I think, certainly the NL in terms of home runs hit. And, you know, while the team is slugging like this, give me, give me the guys that are better at defense. And obviously, you know, especially with someone like Bodie, you're trying to tap into that offensive potential, but he's a better defender than Discalso. That's that's what I want there. Like you've, you've got Schwarber hitting tanks, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras are all, you know, putting up monster offensive seasons, uh, you know, so far to start the 2019 season. At a position where we're kind of thinking about who should be playing, give. I don't want the guy with the worst glove. I, I'm over it. We we've talked about you know in in recent episodes needing to kind of tighten up things on defense and stuff, and that I the Descalso stuff. I I'm I I'm not into. I'm not into. <laughs> you're, done, you're you're I can I can tell in your voice. You're done with them. <laughs> Look again. I, I see the it. merit, which is which is fine as, I, as a I'm hitter. Like, I'm with you, Corey. You know, I, with what he did last year, and and again, I I always think that like having veterans like that is a good thing. You know, because you look at at this this. Yeah, you're not saying DFA right. the guy. Yes. You're saying who's gonna get, who do you want to see play yes. more? And I think it's perfectly fine to say, hey, I want to see Bodie more, even if it is risky and Descaso coming back and being somewhat decent. Yeah, I get absolutely. It. That that's 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 my that is my general sentiment. Thank you for figuring out what I was trying to say uh, <laughs> better better than I could. But Brendan, before we jump into uh, the very boring preview as the Cubs head to St. Louis, I do just want to read this stat that, that came across my, my Twitter purview from the MLB Stats account. And you've already responded to this, so you know where I'm going. Uh, but it says that Kyle Hendricks is the first pitcher since Clayton Kershaw of the Los mm. Angeles Dodgers, who did it in May of 2016, with four starts of eight-plus innings pitched and one earned run or less in a month. And I, I just bring this up, Brendan, because it, it, uh, reminds me of a couple things. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you already know where this you know bit where is going. going. So I apologize, I, yeah. but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to don't hold on. Never apologize. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't <laughs> Never apologize. apologize. Yeah. Take that. Back. But I am going to ride this, uh, <laughs> to the very end. 
And it reminds me first uh, that it's you know interesting to compare uh, a feat accomplished by both Kyle Hendricks and Clayton Kershaw, especially when Kershaw did it in 2016, because later that year, after Kershaw accomplishes the, this feat uh, in May of that year, he is outdueled by Kyle Hendricks in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series mm-hmm. at Wrigley yeah, Field, yeah. where the Chicago yeah. Cubs won the pennant. You guys may remember Yasiel Puig grounding into a double play to double end play, that yeah. game yeah. and send yeah. the Cubs to the World Series, which leads us yeah. to my second thought in reading this tweet, and that is that in that same year that Kershaw accomplishes this, the Cubs go on to win the World Series, which, Brendan, I don't know if we've ever brought up on this podcast before, the Dodgers, oddly enough, have lost two straight World Series, and they have yeah, also... Yeah, not, not one, two straight. Two. Yeah, two straight, yeah. They also two, yeah. have not won a World Series in this particular century. Can mm-hmm. yeah, you also, also true. imagine, Brendan? Can't relate. Weird? Can't re- I mean, can you imagine like not winning a World Series no, in this century? that's like, wild. Come on, that's, that's unacceptable. Can't relate. For a big can't, market can't team, Brendan, come on. I mean, come on. What do you, They have an unlimited budget, Wild. right? I mean, this un, unacceptable. Can't relate. So let's preview the series against St. Louis Cardinals here. So they are going to St. Louis. They have an off day tomorrow on Thursday. I think Len and JD said they were flying out tonight. So uh, they have an off day in St. Louis on Thursday. Very boring. Probably stay in your hotel the entire day. Nothing to do out there. Uh, relax. So that will be a, a good relaxing day for the Cubs. On Friday, they get back at it. They have a night game. You Darvish will take the mound for the Cubs at 7.15 p.m. Central Time. He'll face off against uh, Miles Mikolas. Mikolas not having that great of a year compared to last year, at least his start to the year. He's 4-5 and five with a 4.76 ERA. Darvish is 2-3 and three with a 5.4 uh, ERA. On Saturday, the Cubs will be back at it at 6.15 p.m. Central Time. Jose Quintana taking the mound. 4-4, four and four, a 3.73 ERA. Uh, Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals will take the mound. He went five and one-third inning last time against the Cubs on May 3rd. Gave up three earned runs. Looked pretty good. He's one of the Cardinals' top prospects. Hard-throwing righty. Uh, young guy. Looks looks good. Might be a difficult matchup there again. And then on Sunday, the Cubs, thankfully, will not play on Sunday Night Baseball. I was a little worried they're clicking next game. Uh, that start time is at 1.15 p.m. Central Time. Cole Hamels back on the mound for the Cubs, 4-1 after suffering his first loss of the year in Houston. His ERA on the year is 4.02. He'll face off against another veteran, Adam Wainwright, who's 4-5 with a 4.94 ERA. The Cardinals are slumping. Big time. Hate to see it. Hate to see it, but they're slumping big time. They're going to lose this game against Philly. They're getting blown out. They will be 26-28 and 28 heading into that Friday game. The Cubs stand at 31-23. and 23. Still, Corey, still in first place of the NL Central. They are one game up of the Brewers, who are 31-25 and 25 after the Cardinals lose. Actually, they just lost a game right now. They are five games up on the Cardinals, and the Pirates are at 527-27. Four games back of the Cubs. In the cellar of the division is Cincinnati, who are 26-30. and 30. They are six games back of the Cubs. So, I mean, the hot points for this series, it's, I mean, of course, Darvish is the first guy pitching in the series. You want to see him extend deep into the game. Thankfully, the Cubs bullpen will be a little bit, actually not a little bit, a lot rested with Hendricks going eight innings, having the off day on Thursday. So it's possible that we don't see 
Madden have that long leash with Darvish. Maybe he goes five innings, he gets into some trouble, and Madden goes to his bullpen and try to escape the jams like he's done in the first few weeks with Darvish. Maybe not, maybe, but that's kind of what I'm thinking there. Outside of that, you still want to see Bodie monitor him, how he's going to get more opportunities, see what Descalso is doing, as we discussed, Schwarber at leadoff, and I think those are my main topics. I mean, anything I'm missing or anything that you're looking for? Well, I just wonder, Brendan, do you think that Chris Bryant has the Cubs stay in Houston for an extra night so that they don't I have think Chris to, Bryant just stays back by himself. Yeah, you know? so that they don't have <laughs> to stay in boring it. St. Louis. I, I just yeah. wonder. I mean, you know, I've never been to Houston, but it seems like a nice city, so... I'm just curious if, you know, Chris would request, you know, hey, can we can we hang back for a night? I, I, I don't want to spend that extra night in St. Louis. But no, I mean, keep it going. I mean, look, the, the Cardinals are now two games under 500. You hate to see it, Brendan. You just hate, you to, just see hate I mean, to see it. I mean, it sucks, right? You want that competitive nature. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And... You know, you look like you're not burying anybody in May, really. I think, uh, you know, especially with uh, how some of these Cubs seasons, you know, I think 2017 comes to mind. Uh, you know, you know that you're not really putting anybody away in May, but I think it would be fun to kind of go up eight games. <laughs> well, yeah, and and just like kind of help them along on this tailspin that they're going into. Um, you know, if yeah, just hold their hand gently. Yeah, off the cliff. keep letting yeah, them down a little them bit. Let them down cliff, easy. You know? Let them you just know down bit, to yeah. three, four. Uh, I guess if you swept them, it would be five. I don't know if they play tomorrow. Nobody really cares. Uh, anything about the Cardinals. We can make it up. Five, six, however many games you can send them under 500 by the time you get there. I say do it. Call me crazy, Brendan, but I, I say just sweep them and just, you know, keep pushing them down into the cellar of this division. If the St. Louis Cardinals could be in last by the time this weekend is over, you know, that's like a real chef kiss, you know, kind of moment uh, for this team. But, you know, look, it's it's been, um, this is this is an odd this is a weird spot for us, right? Like this is the first time the Cubs have lost two series in a row since the beginning of the season. This, you know, the second and third series of the entire year with the Braves. I feel pretty good about this. And the Brewers. Like better. Yeah. I mean, like facts like that should make you feel good. Like this is the first time they've lost two series in a row since, you know, the the Braves and Brewers at the beginning of April. So I, I think that you know, you want to see them them turn things around and uh, win a series here, get back on those winning ways. But as we discussed, like, I, I, again, I think overall this team is in a good place. Uh, you know, you've got some position battles to kind of iron out. You want to see some of these starters reverse course on a, on a bad little stretch here. But in general, like, I'm I, you know, this team has, uh, for the most part, been playing good baseball. And, you know, you take it into St. Louis and try to do the same thing. Uh, To be honest with you, the only thing that I uh, do not want to see this weekend, and it's always a concern with uh, the franchise from St. Louis, is, you know, I I don't want to see anybody throwing at Chris Bryant because of those comments, because this is the first time they're in St. Louis. You don't think Yachty would The fans are assuredly going to boo and get all bent out of shape. Oh, man. He wouldn't do that. Come on. I don't know. I don't think so. But do we put anything to God, past the St. Louis Cardinals, Brendan? I swear to God. Matheny's not their manager anymore, the so that gives them a little bit of hope. But 
I'm just saying, you know, the crowd is going to be, you know, worked into a lather with the comes coming into town. The team is under 500. Like, who knows what's going to be going on in the minds of uh, those Cardinal fans. You're probably listening to this on Thursday, so I hope you guys are enjoying the off day. Never really enjoy those days where the Cubs don't play baseball, but I think, uh, you know, given what we saw at the end of last year, I'm... I, I've learned to let the team rest and, and, and enjoy that those guys are at the hotel taking a breather and uh, resetting themselves. So I think that's a good thing, but I hope everybody enjoys the off day and is ready to uh, you know rekindle that fire of the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry. The, the heat will be there, even if the Cardinals uh, are the you know basement dwellers in the NL Central when, when the series is going on. But we will, of course, talk to you guys on Sunday evening. We will record after the Cubs and Cardinals finish up. As always, we thank you guys for your listenership. We appreciate it very much. Uh, we're in the middle of another season here, and it's always fun to jump on here no matter what the Cubs are doing, and break things down with you guys. So we thank you for that. And we will talk to you again on uh, late Sunday night or early Monday morning. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on a motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement, so I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Southern California is home to millions of drivers, so the open road is rarely open. And unfortunately, as we all know, a lot of drivers aren't always focused on navigating the street in front of them. So Toyota is doing its part to help make driving safer. Toyota Safety Sense is a no-cost suite of safety features designed to be a kind of safety co-pilot. And it comes standard on most of their models. Find out what Toyota Safety Sense is all about. Visit buyatoyota.com. Your Southern California Toyota dealers make it easy. Toyota, let's go places. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.